Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Today we conclude Pastor Brett's message from Luke. Romans 8.29, that you have been predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ, and he does that primarily through what we suffer. I got an illustration here that I found of a pastor named Doug and his family, and uh, they got the news that their five-year-old daughter, Jada, had just been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, listen to this excerpt from Doug's blog, uh, one week after finding out that his five-year-old little daughter has cancer. This is what Doug wrote. Listen to this. He says, this morning as I sat reading my Bible and praying while Jada lay asleep and before the onslaught of support came in, I had a vision of hope for my daughter and for that whole matter, my family. In Acts 5, the apostles were called into the council and beaten, and they were told not to speak the name of Jesus. I have a vision for my family that says essentially, thank you, Jesus, that you have counted us worthy of suffering. For it is, easy in, it is too easy in times like ours to raise both hands in anger at God for what appears to be an injustice. But if we are not careful... Having both, both fists clenched toward the heavens teaches us a one-sided view of suffering and trial. That view, sadly, is all about me, or in this case, Jada. We are encouraged in the Bible to express our anger and our frustration with God, but let us not forget to keep the other hand open to receive the blessing from the affliction. If the gospel was delivered with great pain, to the Lord Jesus, difficult emotionally, spiritually, and obviously not to mention physically. How am I or my wife or Jada to expect that God would deliver the truth in the depth of the gospel love that he has for me without some level of affliction? The answer, we are not to expect anything less. In Hebrews 2.10, it says that Christ was made perfect through suffering. You and I are made to resemble Christ more and more as we suffer it's just not our chosen vehicle. Those are profound words from a man who's faced suffering and trial more than I have. And I hope that's an encouragement to you this morning. I've mentioned it twice, but now we'll read it together. Romans eight twenty-eight and 29. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So notice how those two phrases, those two verses cannot be separated. That your predestination in terms of being conformed to Christ is every way intrinsically linked to suffering. Good things and bad things include all things. So how are you doing at taking up your cross daily and following Christ? How does that look for you? What areas do you need to take up your cross this week? So we must deny ourselves. We must take up our cross daily and then we follow Jesus. This is the third descriptor here. Again, let's be clear, we're not following a pastor. We're not following a denomination, an author, a political figure or movement. We're not even following a feeling. We're following a person, and his name is Jesus. So before following him, then where's he going? Right? If we're following him, then clearly there's a destination, clearly there's a path. Where is he going? Well, ultimately, Jesus was listening to the Father and obeying the Father's plan, and that plan eventually led Jesus to the point of death on the cross. And so again, with the context, remember what's going on here. Jesus is saying, hey guys, 
I'm going to go through some suffering. I'm going to go through some trials. And uh, if you're up for the same type of stuff, you can come with me. But that's where I'm headed. And again, 1 Peter 4 reminds us of what we shouldn't be surprised of. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So how are you doing at this? Following Jesus regardless of where he leads, regardless of the outcomes. The key here is that as we follow Jesus, the key is obedience to him. Listening to the Father through the Spirit, obeying. Following him requires a daily dependence on Christ. John 10 is one of a very familiar passage of the Good Shepherd. Five times in that chapter, Jesus uses the word listen. How many of us are really good at listening to Christ? How many times throughout this week have you stopped to listen instead of just talking at God or just asking for things or complaining? What does your listening look like? Because John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So there's a direct connection between hearing from the Lord and doing what he says. Hearing from the Lord and doing what he says. This is the rhythm of obedience in the life of a disciple. And hearing from the Lord and obeying also includes, what if Jesus says, hey, here's an opportunity to surrender. Here's an opportunity to sacrifice. Here's an opportunity to suffer. That includes hearing that message and obeying that message too. So discipleship is one step at a time. It's one day at a time. It includes a daily dependence. And by the grace of God, he's given us the Holy Spirit. So he's not left us clueless, has he? He's filled us with the Spirit. He's given us his inspired word. He's given us everything we need, church, to walk this thing out. The question is, are you approaching him with that mentality of saying, okay, Lord, here's my life. Today, what is on your agenda and how would you like me to serve you? And do we live like that? And so, um, one very practical prayer that I'll put up on the screen that I try to pray as often as I can remember to pray it is, Lord, please realign my will, my plans, and my agenda to yours. Because again, this life is not my own. So I want to realign what I think is my plan and my life and my pursuits and my dreams. I need that to be realigned by the Spirit every day, to be realigned with His will, His plans, and His purpose and His agenda Realign that to the Lord as I walk with him. So, what are you hearing the Lord speak to you this morning? We're coming to a close here. But what is the Lord speaking to you? What's he teaching you right now from this text? We see that the cost of Jesus is threefold. Just to review, it's the denial of self. It's embracing a life of surrender, sacrifice, and suffering. And it's obediently following Jesus regardless of the outcomes or regardless of the destination. So unfortunately, though, a lot of us will sit and we'll listen to these sermons and we'll maybe nod and we'll not know what to do from there. I want to encourage you to really pray about what this next step, what your next step is with Christ. Because Jesus doesn't just say, here are the implications and here's the cost. He says, here's three warnings. And we'll have to move through these pretty quick. But we see these three warnings. For verse 24, 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. See, Jesus is warning us here not to preserve our life down here, not to get comfortable down here, not to be self-absorbed down here. He's warning us that those things are going to lead us in a direction that is ultimately worthless. He says, lose your life for my sake. It's not about you. Jim Elliott once famously said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What are you pursuing? Are you trying to preserve your life down here? Are you trying to make this as comfortable as possible with your security, your earthly treasures? Jesus says, forget about that stuff. Pursue me. Build your life on me, like we sang about this morning. Build your life on the firm foundation of Christ and don't worry about the rest. Warning number two in verse 25. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses or forfeits himself. Again, Jesus is warning us of this very tempting lie that we hear in our world today that if we just get a little more comfort, a little more money, a little more stuff, a little bit more whatever, that we'll be gaining something of infinite value down here. And it feels pretty good to have stuff, doesn't it? It feels pretty good to be comfortable. It feels pretty good to have all that around us. And Jesus isn't against you having things. He's against you having so many things that it completely blinds you and distracts you and puts you off course from following him. Again, the Apostle Paul, such a great example of all the things that he could have bragged about. He says in Philippians 3, But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. That word in the Greek is the word for poop, by the way. I count them all as poop. Forgive me, but that's the Greek. He counts them all as that. That's how valuable, he said, all the things that I've gained, of all my knowledge, I count them as that. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and, get this, and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. See, another missionary to Somali people once said, if, we're gonna, if what we're doing is not worth dying for, it's not worth living for. Meditate on that today as you go. Are you trying to build a name for yourself? Are you trying to build your own little kingdom down here? Are you pursuing your own little world and calling it following Jesus? Are you really following Jesus the way that he, on his terms, has said to follow him? Are you promoting his name, his glory, and his fame? Or is he just a little add-on to your life down here while you just are comfortable? Warning number three, verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory. You see, anyone who is ashamed of Christ now, they will not deny themselves. They will not take up their cross. And they will not follow Jesus. Instead, they'll waste their life building their own little world. They'll run away from the instructions of Jesus. They won't listen. Those who are ashamed are not interested in the things of Christ. And we know that because the fruit of living an ashamed life is apathy and indifference towards Christ. The fruit of living an ashamed life is apathy and indifference towards Christ. I've been there. I used to be ashamed and pretty apathetic and pretty indifferent. Is that you this morning? See, I don't, I don't think that the greatest threat to the church is not, that, uh, is not a lot of things. I think the greatest threat to the American church is not the rejection of Christ, but its indifference towards Christ. 
If the enemy can get you to be indifferent and not care, he wins. If he can get you just to come to services and go through the motions and live your life doing your thing and never really listen to this Jesus guy, be comfortable, throw a 20 in the plate, just kind of keep going through motions and be a good person. If he can get you to do all that kind of stuff, but there's no denial of self, there's no denial of your life not being your own, if there's no taking up your cross, if there's no suffering, if there's no surrender, if there's no sacrifice, if there's no following him on his terms, are you really following Jesus or are you following yourself? These are the words of Christ. These are the warnings of Christ. These are the terms of Christ. And again, I say again, I'm not a perfect model for this, but we have to wrestle with this. And so as we come to a time where we're going to begin to transition to communion here in just a moment, you know, if you're not a believer this morning, I pray that one of these warnings radically impacts your life. Because you can, the Bible says you can gain everything in the world, that the world is desperately spending trillions of dollars trying to sell you. And the Bible says you can gain it all and lose your soul and spend an eternity apart from God in hell. And so the call of the Bible is to bring your life into submission to Christ, to bring everything to the cross and to deny yourself and to follow him and to take up your cross. And in that denial of your own life, you'll actually find real, true life in him. He is the only one that can provide you anything that your soul actually needs and hungers for. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.